0: radio
1: hello again folks and thank you for listening to the show i'm joanna i'm nate and we are stranger than it's cold it is cold not so much for me for me it's fine but for you it's cold and for many people it
0: is so cold
1: across the country it's cold so for all of our cold listeners, stay safe, warm up, if you can. Especially those of you in Texas. Yes. Pretty fucked in Texas right now, so let's try to stay safe,
0: folks. Definitely stay safe. And to all our Canadian listeners, uh, thanks a lot for the cold weather. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> there you go. Or as really they enjoyed just call that. It weather. <laughs>
0: Just kidding. We love you, Canada.
1: We do. This time, we will be talking about a... object. No one really knows what this object is, or where this object came from, or even actually where it's ultimately going.
0: All we know is that it passed through our solar system, our first interstellar guest.
1: That's right. What we are talking about today is Oumuamua. On October 19th, 2017, Rob Wirrick was conducting a search for near-Earth objects on the University of Hawaii's PANSTARS-1 telescope, as is done nightly for NASA. PANSTARS stands for Panoramic Survey Telescope and Rapid Response System, and is at the Halakala Observatory in Maui, Hawaii.
0: That is a place I would like to be right now. Yes. (laughs) Yes,
1: Hawaii would be nice and warm. I can't wait for summer. This strange object was under a quarter mile wide, 400 meters, and was moving quite fast. As it turns out, this thing had been in our interstellar neighborhood for some time, and on September 9th had been quite close to the sun, passing by the sun on the inside of Mercury's orbit. So that's... that's close. That's real close. By the time it was noticed, it was already on its way out of the solar system. The object did a U-shaped run through our solar system, coming from the distance where the star Vega in the Lyra constellation is now in relation to Earth, and headed out towards Pegasus' galaxy. As of now, like this very second, it's somewhere between Saturn and Neptune's orbit, and we're expecting it to be on the outside of Neptune's orbit in 2022. So that's that's as far as it goes. There's a Pluto out there, and then there's a bunch of uh, rocks and shit, but it's gone at that point.
0: And Pegasus Galaxy, that's like a whole different...
1: That's a different solar system.
0: That's a different solar system. Yes. So it still hasn't reached there because it's still in our solar system? Yes,
1: yes. It's still... It's between Saturn and Neptune.
0: Okay. So it takes a long time, I guess, then, to...
1: Oh, oh! It takes it takes some time. I mean, it's still mm-hmm. moving pretty quick. Neptune is approximately two point nine billion miles or four point three billion kilometers from Earth. It takes us seven months, give or take, to get from here to Mars, which is around one hundred and twenty seven million miles away. So this thing's moving at a pretty good clip. I don't know if we could make it out that far.
0: Speaking of getting to Mars.
1: Perseverance just landed today.
0: It did. Yep.
1: I watched it. I mean, you couldn't obviously they didn't actually have real video footage of it, but I watched the whole like computer model they had at NASA and all that. It was cool. It landed no problem and uh it's got some wild shit. It's going to run around in this crater or in this like canal or something they think may have had water. And It's going to collect samples and leave all of these samples in tubes in certain areas. Like certain caches, I guess. And then in... 2027, I think? Another... NASA is going to launch a retrieval thing. And it's going to go and land. And it will go and pick up all of these different caches. And... At the same time that one's launched, the e u will be launching another spacecraft, and that's going to go orbit and that's going to orbit mars and so after this thing that NASA launches picks up all these fucking caches, it's then going to fly up off of the planet's surface and meet up with the e u orbiting thing when they're going to then get together and and then come back to earth, so that's some fucking crazy ass shit that's going on.
0: It's pretty awesome.
1: It is. It's super interesting. The uh, The potential for what we can learn is, is a lot. And there's also, there are two orbiters already on Mars that just got there, I believe, last week. There's one from India and there's one from China. I want to say one showed up on the 8th and the other one showed up on the 10th of February 2021. The Chinese government launched theirs with just all of their stuff. That was a completely Chinese outfit whereas the Indian one was launched with a Mitsubishi rocket, uh, a a Japanese rocket. That's some serious shit. Mars, Mm -hmm. man. Calculations showed that it would have taken Oumuamua around 600,000 years to get to Earth from Vega. And that's from where Vega is now, not where it was 600,000 years ago. Also, Oumuamua's speed is very close to the speed of most of the shit in our solar system. This is what they call the local standard of rest. Pretty much everything in our solar system is kind of going at this same speed limit kind of deal. You know, some things are going a little faster, some a little slower, but it's all kind of around this local standard of rest. Oumuamua's speed in relation to the local standard of rest means a couple things. One is that it's from the outside of our solar system because it's not it's not moving at the same kind of speed everything else is, and it also rules out that it came from any of the twelve closest stars to ours there's a lot it kind of contradicts that it came from Vega because I think Vega might be one of the twelve closest stars <laughs> to us but i'm not I'm not hundred percent on that. It's pretty possible that this thing is billions of years old and has been around the Milky Way several times. And that the trajectory it took through our solar system didn't represent its actual location of origin, just where it happened to come through this time around.
0: And it's... The way it's come through is also unusual, too, because everything tends to orbit more in a circular pattern.
1: Yeah, yeah. It came from above which is, I mean, kind of a problematic thing to say because you're in space. Right. <laughs> but there is kind of an above-below thing, and it's 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 called... Uh, I mean, the stuff orbiting the sun isn't... They're not perfectly level with one another, but they're also not, like, all out of whack, flinging everywhere all willy-nilly. It's called yeah. an ecliptic plane. And the ecliptic yes. plane is kind of, I guess, the plane of gravity where all the planets sit. And so some may sit more or deeper, some may sit a little bit higher, but they all stay pretty close to this ecliptic plane. This thing came down from above that. So it wasn't going past any or through any planet orbits. It was missing all of the planets. It was coming in safely, pretty much, and then dipping down between Mercury and the Sun, and then shooting back up and out of the rave out of the way of all the planets and off to, towards Pegasus. It happens in many sci fi movies how they are going to slingshot around a planet because they can't quite get the speed they need. It was Mm kind of that sort of thing. I'm not sure if that's how an object would react when coming so close to such a dense object like the sun. I would expect it either to just be sucked right in or to pick up, you know, fall into an orbit around it, but not to dip in and dip out.
0: Well, I believe in Apollo 13 they did that slingshot maneuver to help get them back, but that was around the moon, not the sun. But it was Star Trek: The Voyage Home, which has a lot of parallels here um, to Oumuamua because of you know how it looks.
1: Oh yeah, true. It's still
0: one of my favorite posts ever. Is when this was actually happening and they're first reporting this on social media about this object, and then Alex wrote. Maybe it's just looking for humpback whales because it looks like that space probe yeah, from Star yeah. Trek: The Voyage Home, and that's how they actually traveled back in time to get the humpback whales to answer the probe. Was that they did a slingshot around the sun? Well, there you go. There you go.
1: I actually was. I'm not, not that familiar with that particular Star Trek movie. I mean, I, I remember the part where they go to San Francisco and. The 60s or whatever. Or maybe it was just the the 80s. 80s. Okay, but Spock had to tie the thing around his head so no one would see his ears. Right. Pretty sure I only saw that when I was a kid.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a good one.
1: Every other Star Trek movie is good. First one is bad. Second one is good. Third one is bad. Fourth one is good. You know, so on.
0: So yeah, so it's kind of slingshotted around uh, the, the sun mua did. Yeah, and then it did, it did kind of a U. So it's like kind of a, if you're if you're trying to draw the pattern of it, it's like straight and then kind of curves and bends up and then psh, off the other direction. A U or like a soft V, not like a hard V.
1: Yeah, kind of a, a a roundish right angle kind of. Yeah. When it was very first discovered, it was either thought to be a comet or an asteroid. Some say sources say they thought it was a comet at first. Others thought it was an asteroid at first, but If they did think it was a comet at first, it didn't take them long to decide it wasn't, since it has no coma or tail.
0: Yes, that would be the gaseous trail that it leaves as the ice uh, is burnt off by the sun, the surface ice is burnt off by the sun.
1: So they landed on Asteroid. They are like, this is an asteroid, and they gave it the temporary designation of A-2017U1. slash Asteroids are rock objects smaller than a planet, orbiting stuff in space, and they tend to act pretty uniformly within the solar system. This object was not acting at all like solar system asteroids, and its movement didn't fit any comet's known orbits. So it kind of stuck out. It didn't take long for it to stick out. They found it, they confirmed they'd seen it the night before, and then they were like, what the fuck is
0: this? (laughs) Right, what's going on here?
1: Yeah, the speed trajectory is what made it apparent it was not from the solar system. And once gone, it was unlikely to return anytime soon. It was a traveler, maybe a scout, and that's why it was named Oumuamua. O means reach out for, and mua means first in Hawaiian. The mua being doubled puts emphasis on it being the first, so, you know, the the scout, you know, a wanderer, that sort of thing. It can also be called, if you don't like omuamua, 1I slash 2017U1. It doesn't really flow off the tongue as well.
0: one eye. That's what I like to call it. Yeah,
1: one eye. Old one eye. The stands Old for, one eye. The eye stands for interstellar. And it was the first interstellar object to come into our, our, that we've seen. I mean, I'm sure there's others, but that was the first one we'd ever seen. So obviously, telescopes all around the world pointed at this thing. Including the SETI Institute and their radio telescope, the Allen Telescope Array. SETI, of course. Stands for Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, and a radio telescope is a telescope that is used to observe radio frequencies. Radio frequencies are a part of the electromagnetic spectrum, the electromagnetic spectrum just as infrared, ultraviolet, and wavelengths visible to the human eye, like yellow, are, or blue, whatever. If I understand it correctly, the electromagnetic spectrum is the perceivable universe. Just because we can't perceive it with the human eye doesn't mean it's not there. And so, I mean, generally speaking, animals, each species sees the world around it in a way that's unique to that species. And of course, it's not going to be a tiger and a puma see see a different world, but we certainly don't see the same world that our house cats see. And our house cats don't see the same world that a rabbit sees. Which doesn't see the same thing that a eagle sees, so kind of bats, each, yeah, bats. I mean, uh, all kinds of things. We all every species kind of has its own unique view of the world, literally view of the world. At any rate, the SETI telescope didn't pick up shit. Nothing out of the ordinary. The Hale telescope an optical telescope in San Diego County, California, was able to pick up that that it was reddish in color. This was confirmed by the William Herschel Telescope in the Canary Islands, Spain, which added that the object was mostly featureless and was like, yep, it's, it's red in color, and it was able to see that it was a red that was similar to the red found in objects in the Kuiper Belt. The Kuiper Belt is like the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter, except it's way bigger, way bigger. And it is outside of Neptune's orbit, so that's where all these crazy exoplanets and shit are. I believe we talked about that area in the Maldek episode? That sounds like something we would do. The Very Big Telescope in Chile again confirmed this information, as well as finding that the spectrum of this object is very similar. To that of what they call D-type asteroids. D-type asteroids originate, as far as we know, in the Kuiper Belt, and we've named 46 of them. So it took, an I want a very big telescope. That's the name of the of the telescope in Chile. They call the very v-
0: big telescope. Yeah,
1: yeah. They call it the VBT. It's. I, I imagine it was one of those things where they gave it to the internet and said, "Hey, internet, why don't you?" Uh, you know, name this, you know, for us or whatever. Uh, and
0: that's what people came up with? Th-
1: that's just my guess. I don't actually know. And it was just,
0: like, trending on Twitter. It's I, like, let's give this, like, the the stupidest name ever. Let's yeah, because they've... The, the- very big telescope. That's the what they've BBT, done before like with stuff. <laughs> yeah, right?
1: I mean they've done that with other stuff before, you know, like oh let's name this boat like Bodie McBoderton or whatever
0: the fuck or <laughs> I mean all kinds of
1: just weirdo shit. So I would Yeah, wouldn't...
0: you know, the general public just can't always be trusted. No, but I
1: do like very big <laughs> telescope because you know what? It's a very big telescope.
0: I would have said it needs to be like the notorious BIG, but you know.
1: Yeah, well apparently no, Not in
0: my, my vote.
1: You weren't on Twitter at the time or whatever.
0: I'm never on Twitter, actually. I yeah, only like I. to read I only like to see tweets that are uh screen capped and then put on Facebook.
1: That makes it easier. <laughs> the crazy thing about this is that it got hit with tons of optical telescopes. And we didn't actually get a picture of it.
0: No, that is something I think is very important for people to realize is that there are any pictures that you see of it. Those are simply artist renditions of how we interpret it to be like. And I wish that it looked a little bit less like a giant turd, but there it is.
1: It's supposed to be red. (laughs) So a giant red turd.
0: Well, it's reddish, so that of, yeah. you know that makes it even more turd like that's mean, true, the color and the texture and the shape it's just like, oh dude, that's just what I think every time I see it space turd,
1: I mean, you think you'd think we could get, we we could photograph a black hole, but we couldn't get this thing, and I no. know I mean we didn't actually it wasn't just take a picture of this fucking black hole, it was like thirty or forty different satellite uh telescopes, all kinds of shit, so I know. I know that we didn't just take a picture of the black hole. I was just making a joke.
0: Right, right. And and there was it was uh hard because of the location and the the way it was
1: moving, yeah. Moving
0: that it yeah.
1: It was just too damn shiny basically. All of it looked like it was just points of light. It rotated and depending upon its shape would make it depends upon how it was rotating. So if it was the joint shaped thing or cigar shaped if you're a square If it was a joint-shaped thing, then it was rotating in a real funky fashion. Think of an asterisk. You know, it's an uppercase X, and it's got a horizontal line going through where the diagonal lines of the X meet. The joint Oumuamua was rotating kind of in an asterisk shape. So first it would rotate on the horizontal, but then it would go on its diagonal axis, and then do the other diagonal, and just sort of... Tumbled through space. It was just someone who's really bad at throwing a, th- a knife and it just sort of wobbled its way past. Now, the other shape that they say it's probably actually more likely is a disc shape. And that's, it would be significantly easier to get the range of brightness that was observed on Oumuamua from that particular shape because it wouldn't need this funky ass asterisk pattern. It would just rotate any old way
0: and that's basically how they came up with these shapes is because it all they're seeing is uh like a almost a circle of light but the intensity of the uh light changes and they're like just kind of plugging that into you know surface area and and how like it's brighter, and then it's not, and from that they come up with like how it must be moving through space and the shape of it.
1: With a shitload of math, I'm sure.
0: Oh yeah, with a whole shitload of math, I cannot even begin to comprehend at all. Dare but I say, it's, an astronomical yeah. amount of math? <laughs> Probably so. Yes. <laughs> what we have here is an
1: interstellar object. Of a kind that humans have never observed. Or at least if it has been observed by humans, it had never been recorded that it was observed. Or at least it it was recorded in a way where we didn't know what the fuck they were talking about.
0: It's on some hieroglyph somewhere.
1: (laughs) So it it shot in from above, looped around our sun, shot back up. Not a normal thing for a space thing to do. We didn't detect anything from it to suggest there was any kind of intelligence involved. I mean, it is possible it was just outgassing, which is when gas is spewed out after an object is being heated. If it was cigar-shaped, it would have just torn it apart. We also didn't observe any gas of any sort. There was no coma, no tail. Although there are certain gases not visible through our atmosphere. Some believe that it's a craft from an advanced civilization And what we are seeing is a thing called a light sail. A light sail, very basically, works just like a sail on a ship in the water. But instead of using wind to get the craft pushed along, it uses photons. Which is light. This is a real thing. The light sail 2 spacecraft was launched June 25th, 2019. And it uses only the light of the sun to change its orbit. It's mostly flies around in low Earth orbit and takes tons of fucking pictures, too. You can go and you can see pictures of light sail, too. You can just go on the internet and find it. And, yeah, it's in low Earth orbit, but that's where most most of our shit goes anyway. Uh, the Planetary Society are the folks that launched the spacecraft. And they've been promoting light sail since the 70s. They actually wanted to send one of these crafts to visit Halley's Comet. But they couldn't get, it to, couldn't get any uh, funding to do it. The group was co-founded by Carl Sagan, who actually went on Johnny Carson in 1976 to promote the idea of the light sail. If you want to see, and I recommend going to see these pictures, go to planetary.org and scroll down a bit, and you'll see light sail too. And it's got tons of pictures of Earth and stuff. And, I mean, pictures of Earth make it look pretty round. I'm just saying.
0: Just floating that out there.
1: That's right. Uh,
0: Sailing it out there.
1: Sailing, light sailing it out there. Uh, (laughs) Now, there's some. There's still some people. uh, There, there are. There are some theories that Oumuamua is made up of some kind of ice, but any kind of ice, one would have been outgassing, and two probably would not have been able to make an interstellar journey of any kind. We don't know what Oumuamua is. And the chances us of us ever knowing are pretty slim to none, since it's for all intents and purposes gone forever after next year.
0: Well, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe, maybe. We... I'm just saying I'm glad we still have humpback whales around. Okay.
1: I hope we do. I hope <laughs> we do.
0: Well, we have them currently, and maybe that's why it simply kind of passed on through and left us alone and went on its merry little way.
1: (laughs) got to go to a different time.
0: Things could have gone terribly awry. Yes. Had they not been around. (laughs) Save the whales. Save the whales. Well, when I was doing research on Oumuamua, I quickly learned that reading stuff about it was you know i'm just i just wasn't up to it i mean oh my god yeah this is a level this is a level of like nerd smart that completely escapes me first of all i suck at math i suck at physics and then stuff in outer space and how that all works i mean yeah i still have trouble with interstellar the movie (laughs) Okay, and how like the time is like different because of the black hole and stuff. Like, my son's tried to explain it to me like 85 times, and I still, every time I watch that movie, I'm like, wait, but I just, I still don't get it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is. So, it's, it's it is complicated. It is is complicated.
0: complicated. It is very complicated. So, it's just, it's just something like my brain just doesn't want to wrap around it. So I was like okay I I got to I got to get on YouTube here because I need some visual examples and that's the only reason I was able to comprehend the whole trajectory thing was because I watched some stuff where they have it laid out like oh here see look here is like stuff orbiting the sun in a circular pattern or a more oblong sort of, like an oval and then here's like you know the L shaped soft V U shape that Oumuamuo did and it was like, oh, okay, and now I see how that's weird.
1: Yeah, a lot of them are described using ma- using mathematical terms. I, like, I don't know how, like, what this term that you're saying is supposed to look like. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I know that there are some really really smart people that are arguing that this could be uh you know alien intelligence and then there's some really really smart people that are saying no it's not but we don't know for sure what it is but we don't think it's aliens and so i learned what I could off of you 2 I, I, I did listen to a great TED talk by Karen Meech, who was, uh you know, she was like instrumental in the whole like, identifying it and uh, writing up like what exactly it was and studying it. And it, from her is where I learned the whole thing with like, the surface area brightness, and how they managed to, uh, you know, figure out you know what it what it looked like, and it's you know between it's between the, the pancake and the uh, and the cigar <laughs> or joint,
1: <laughs> the joint if you're not a square.
0: That's right. So pancake or joint, and then I watched a really good informative video. It was titled "Omo is." Oumuamua alien technology and the YouTube channel is Cool Worlds. So I suggest you check that out because in a really awesome way it it dumbed down the the two like arguing you know sides like uh there's Avi Loeb who did an article and it was titled Six Strange Things About Our First Interstellar Guest Oumuamua and he's the one kind of arguing that it's alien technology. And then the rebu- the rebuttal article to his article was uh called "The Natural History of Oumuamua" by the Oumuamua ISSI team, and it kind of broke down the different points. Like, here's one point that Aviloa makes, and then here's what the ISSI team says that you know refutes what he is saying, and yeah, so on and so forth. So I kind of I I. Very much just took this all from this YouTube channel, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Credit goes to Cool Worlds, and the guy on it for explaining it so well that I was able to make a little bit of sense of it. So let's go over some of those points. There are six points, and I will go through each one of them. Number one. This is the argument for alien technology is that there are too few interstellar asteroids in space to expect Oumuamua. it must have been aimed at us and this kind of goes um with the argument that i think after we set up that one the the telescope that discovered it in hawaii yeah uh it was fairly soon after that was set up that we saw omuamua like sooner than we would have thought to see an interstellar uh you know whatever thing (laughs) yeah because they're calculating if we saw one that quickly after we were able to see that you know after we were capable of seeing them then there must be like trillions of them out there a little above my head but
1: no that makes sense i mean if it it was something so easy to spot then it must not be as rare as we think it is. We just didn't have the way to see it until uh, that array, that you know, telescope was put up.
0: Right. So the rebuttal to that is that we can't state it's unlikely or rare because we don't know the distribution of interstellar asteroids. So since we have no idea what the number is, we can't say whether this was a rare event or if this is something we are going to actually see more of uh, in the near future. This is the first time, so who knows? Point number two is that Oumuamua is close to the LSR—that's what you just went over a little while ago, the local standard of rest, yeah. the, the speed limit of space—and thus could be using it as a kind of velocity camouflage. So that so because it's going about the same speed as other things in space, uh, it's actually doing that purposefully. So it must be be it, the, done so intelligently so <laughs> you know, so yeah, with, with so, a, a yeah purpose. it's doing it's doing that intelligently and with a purpose, and the rebuttal to that is speeds close to the l s r are exactly what they would expect, especially if the system is young, meaning that the system the solar system that it came from, like if this is actually an asteroid and this is uh you know like cast off. You know, whatever asteroids are, they're like pieces of leftovers basically from when planets were formed and solar systems were formed. So if this is a younger solar system, uh, that's what they would expect the speed of it to be going. Much much like asteroids in our own solar system. and It's also going to go by the same speed limit, I guess. Right, okay. Yeah, I mean, this is where I kind of get all muddled up because of the Vast oldness of the galaxy and other galaxies, and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, if it came from Vega and it took it like uh six, what did you say, like six hundred thousand years or 000. Like, Yeah, like. But that's...
1: it it appeared to come from where Vega is now, yeah. and not where Vega was when it Oumuamua would have had to to have been launched.
0: Yeah, so I mean, that's when I really just like okay. way out of my league here point number three Oumuamua has an unusual orbit and flew close to earth it must have been aimed at us so because it did the soft V the U the kind of L shape and didn't uh, take up a normal quote unquote orbit Around the sun, it must have been intentionally like aimed at us, thrown at us, whatever. Maybe it's just some like there's some giant like space monkey out there throwing space poo at us. Or I don't know,
1: space bugs like <laughs> in uh, Starship Troopers.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, are they were they aiming at Rio de Janeiro and just missed?
0: <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But again. Avilov's arguing that this was something intentionally done versus it happened to be on this random, weird trajectory from wherever it came from, which is what the rebuttal point that the ISSI team makes is that Oumuamua would not be detectable unless it had passed so close to Earth. This is just detection bias. It is Theorized that there are many objects in space similar to Oumuamua, but they are simply too far away for us to see with our current technology. I mean, so we... they're out there; they look like it, but we just can't see it quite yet. So,
1: well, we we did miss Oumuamua for quite some time. We it was closest to the sun forty days before we even saw the damn thing. So, mm-hmm. I can uh, say there's some 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 truth to that.
0: Right, and, uh, they seem to think that, you know, it's just because it's just out there, or just this lonely little space rock. Just do what it's saying. Yeah. Traveling its weird trajectory. Point number four is that its shape appears too strange to be natural, but could be a thin solar sail. Tumbling perhaps due to being derelict. So this is based off the interpretation of the shape of the object. So this is just taking a different interpretation, again, because we don't actually know what the actual shape of it was, but doing that surface area brightness and the calculations, Avi Loeb seems to think that it's possible it could be very, very thin with a large surface area similar to a space sail. Like uh, like yeah. the light sail
1: I was talking about.
0: Yeah, the light sail. That's probably what I meant to say. Oh no, sail, light sail. Solar, solar
1: <laughs> sail. That's all the solar same. Solar <laughs> sail.
0: It's all the same. All right. So he's going with the sail theory. That, that was his interpretation of the surface brightness. But the rebuttal to that is that they interpreted as being the cigar shape or the pancake shape. That they had a different, that it would have been much brighter if it had such a large flat surface area, was their argument to that. Point number five was Oumuamua is too reflective to be an asteroid or a comet. The rebuttal is that the reflectivity is consistent with comets and carbonaceous and silicate asteroids. The reflection was between 0 and 50% and i believe like some comments are between 0 and 20% and then they said that like 10 to 30% for asteroids but could be up to 50% so there was a whole lot of like per- percentages thrown out there for that one but it it made sense to me that it was within normal Reflective parameters, I guess. And then number six was is about that that off gassing that we can't that we could not detect or see. So Avilov argues its non gravitational acceleration cannot be explained without it being an alien ship. So it seems to be. You know, moving not just because it's tumbling through space, but something is causing it to accelerate it. And when it's something like a comet, that is the surface ice being heated by the sun, and then it creates that tail that everyone can see. Is that that uh, ice basically burning off and turning into gas in space as it's heated by the sun? The rebuttal to this is. Only in where, I mean, some of the other rebuttals, they're just like, no, this is kind of rock solid as far as, like, the the parameters of the reflectivity. I mean, that one I can see. This one is a little bit more, like, they're not, nobody's really certain what is uh, causing it to accelerate the way it is. Just, all that they know is that it is accelerating.
1: <laughs> we don't know why. We only know <laughs> we that know it why. is.
0: We only know that it is, and uh we can't see any evidence of of um, the acceleration. So there's no gas trail, no no tail like a normal comet. So the theory is is that the surface ices may have already burned off in its original home system. So they burned off long ago, but there are it still has subsurface ice that was heated by the sun but because there was like a thermal delay because it had to uh you know warm from the inside to cause that off-gassing acceleration we wouldn't have seen it when it was passing by the sun when the sun was actually heating it but it would have happened afterwards at a point which we could no longer see the off-gassing. So it was still off-gassing, but it was sort of a delayed reaction to the off-gassing because it was not surface ice, but rather uh, subsurface ice that was being melted.
1: Underground, if you will.
0: Yes, so underground ice was being melted by the sun, but because that took longer for it to uh you know cause the thermal reaction that would cause the non-gravitational acceleration we weren't able to see it like we are in a regular comet
1: well they seem to have uh all the answers don't they
0: <laughs> they do they and i mean i'm not really trying to say one way or another i mean my personal opinion is, yeah, it's just a, it's like a lonely, weird-shaped rock out there that has been out there a long time and just passing on through. Um, but... It's
1: one of two interstellar objects we've witnessed.
0: I don't want to be just, I mean, this guy is super smart, Avilov, and there's other really super smart people that are convinced it's alien technology. And I feel like that's just you know the scientific community tends to always be like if not aliens
1: right right they want they need to keep and their funding
0: yeah, so i just just because uh, you know one one side of it is just like no you know point by point here's why it's not aliens doesn't necessarily make it so because yeah i think uh i think a lot of people are are just generally don't like the idea of aliens and yeah, it's still, I mean, the second you start saying aliens and you're kind of, you know, your fellow colleagues kind of like write you off as a crackpot and which is kind of going to swoop in and be like, no. And I mean, I mean, they have some good rebuttals to what he's saying, but then again, it's, you know, a lot of it's not definitive. It's just their best guess.
1: Well, I mean, as far as the alien thing is concerned, I'm pretty sure that's going to be changing just as, as time goes on. Because it was announced just pretty recently that the Pentagon recovered material from this Area 51 crash. Right. That they've been studying this metal that retains its shape. They can, like, bend it and then it goes back. Like, they they've just... They said that like oh yeah yeah no, that was it that was an alien crash guys sorry for the lies for the past fucking like seventy years or whatever. So I mean
0: right, and then
1: last year with the navy being like oh or the air force being like oh yeah aliens totally. See you know, we totally. call them UAPs. They're everywhere, goddamn things. You know it's just it seems like it's pretty. It's going to be coming up in more and more serious conversations in ways that aren't. Just a bunch of fucking mockery, you know?
0: Well, it's and it's always so interesting when this stuff comes out, because it's usually when, I mean, we had the pandemic going on, we had all this civil unrest and yeah. craziness, so they, they they released, like, yeah, aliens are real, and we know about it, and they we're just like, shut up! It's like, stop trying to distract us with your fucking truth, okay? Yeah, like- you're like, <laughs> you know,
1: we're dealing with some other stuff right now. <laughs>
0: Where, I mean, at a time where maybe all this other, like, worldwide shit was not going on, that, you know, we were like, oh my god, can you believe it? But it's like, kind of like, it's like they're almost like trying to get us to pay attention. Like, oh, hey, by the way, aliens are real. And it's like, hey, I don't have time for that right now. Oh,
1: right. Okay?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear about you and your fucking aliens. Goddamn government.
1: Right? Fucking, always <laughs> talking about aliens. <laughs> uh, well, the other interstellar... Thing that we found was also the first rogue comet we had ever witnessed, and a rogue comet is just this comet that's not bound to a star; it's just flying around out there. And this one was called is called Two I Slash Borisov, and it's named after some amateur astronomer, just some guy who who found this thing on August thirtieth of twenty nineteen. His name was Genady. And so he got he got the thing named after him.
0: Nice. And so we have one eye and two eye now.
1: That's right. And this thing showed up. Uh, it passed closest to the sun on December 8th of 2019. So just, I guess, two years ago now, barely two years ago, like last year, for all intents and purposes. Uh, it was uh, the comet's tail. Just the tail alone. 14 times the size of Earth.
0: Wow. That's, and that's a big tale. Yeah,
1: that's according to astronomers from from Yale. And it's... I mean, that's it's fucking amazing. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. That's huge. If that hit Earth, no more Earth, poof, gone. Vogon Constructor Fleet, fucking Intergalactic Highway, no more Earth. <laughs> Similar to Oumuamua, this one, the Borisov, also came in from above, which I guess is just a thing that's going to happen. I mean, maybe, maybe... (laughs) That
0: must be where the other solar system is. (laughs) Right? I
1: mean, I, I I guess the up and down really only relates to that solar system. So other solar systems could be, you know, in different orientations to ours. I don't... I'm sure. I mean, that must be how it is. I...
0: Well, then I guess we just really have to be afraid of stuff that comes up from below, I'm going to guess.
1: Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, we, I guess we haven't run into that yet, but the night is young. Now uh, There is another thing that's coming up here just next month. So if you are interested in seeing, you're not going to be able to see this thing with your naked eye. You're going to need to get a, a telescope. But it's on March 21st, 2021. Uh, The asteroid 2001F032 will cruise past the Earth at a speedy 21 miles per second, or 34.4 kilometers per second. This thing will also be fairly close at five lunar distances from Earth. A lunar distance is a really well-named thing. It's the distance between Earth and the Moon technically it's not just earth and the moon it's it's the distance of anything between a moon and something else so between a moon and a sun or like you know any of the moons of any of the other planets the lunar distance is the distance from that moon to whatever the fuck in this case it's 1.3 million miles away still pretty close on the grand scheme of things not close enough to see with the naked eye you will need to get a telescope. Like I said, it's got to be at least an eight-inch diameter or twenty centimeters. I guess that—that's that's pretty thick. That's that's girthy. It's quite girthy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess smaller than eight inches, you can see into the heavens and whatnot. But it's really once you get that to that eight-inch diameter that you're able to. It's like seeing a different world, basically, is what they say. Is anything before that is just <laughs> not great. So, you know, eight inches, go home. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> this one, this thing is made of rock, and so I mean, it's, it's a it's an asteroid, so it's made of rock. So you're not. It's not going to be really shiny. That's which is probably the reason you're not going to be able to see it. Uh, very at all with a naked eye.
0: No beautiful tail. No
1: beautiful tail. It will how even how big is it? They expect that this thing is going to be about point six miles, a so one kilometer in diameter. So it's not quite as long as the Golden Gate Bridge, but damn near. So that's pretty big.
0: It's a fairly large
1: one. Now it's not going to hit Earth. It's way too far away from Earth to to, to be able to hit it uh now when you when you are looking for it you'll need to know when it's going to pass by your area and where in the sky it's going to be and then you're going to have to look for the absence of stars so you're going to it's going to be moving pretty quick so you should be able to pick it up they said it should take you five or ten minutes to find it and then then you can follow it from that point but you're looking for it to be blacking out the stars, and it's not going to black out, like, huge swaths of the sky or anything, but you will be able to see certain points blink out and then come back, and then you'll be able to sort of see the asteroid at that point. Uh, this asteroid, all asteroid orbits actually are very reliable. This one is no different. They've got this one's orbit mapped out for the next 200 years. We're we're, we're good. We're not, well... <laughs> This one's not going to hit us for the next 200 years.
0: Well, that's good.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: When I was on YouTube, like, you know, trying to, you know, find the information on Oumuamua in a way that I could maybe slightly understand and not sound like a complete jackass when (laughs) we recorded. (laughs) Um, No more
1: so than usual, at least.
0: Yes, exactly. Of course, after the set of videos I went through, there was the recommended videos, and one of them was Disaster Earth or something like that, talking about, you know, a scenario where what if an asteroid hit in the same place that it hit when the dinosaurs were here and it wiped out all the stuff on Earth? Would humans survive? And it was just like Doomsday Earth and the asteroid. And I was like, oh, yeah, I I watched that immediately (laughs) Wow, was it good? it was good but it was just like yeah finally you know <laughs> this is what I'm finally something for. i can fucking understand here <laughs> <That's right. laughs> That's doomsday good. the end of man i don't have to think about math calculations God. and the origins of our solar system and what other solar systems might be and trajectories and uh surface area brightness and how that all cal- i was yeah, because I had a fucking headache. I have to tell you after.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I had to, it, I mean, definitely would help to be an astronomer or uh, any kind of scientist or, you know, at all educated. Um, right. W- that would make, would have made this a little bit easier, but I wasn't too difficult to, to dumb it down. I mean, there was enough sources out there that made it so us lay folks could understand at least, at least enough to think we know what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, props to the guy on the Cool World's YouTube channel. You really should check it out. You could check out Karen Meach's TED Talk too on YouTube. It's only like I don't know, like ten minutes or something, and it's it's pretty cool. I I enjoyed seeing her enthusiasm over, yeah, over this and the way she just is able to get up and just blah 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 all these calculations and.
1: Here you go. Here's all the fucking
0: yeah, and all the just proof how much it yep, and how much it rocked her world to have this <laughs> thing happen. And then yeah, guy from Cool Worlds totally broke it down, made it somewhat uh you know some someone like as dumb as me about space and math and physics. You know, it's pretty good. You should check him out. Yeah,
1: yeah. This is a, a pretty interesting thing. I guess a little bit different than usual, although it is unexplained. So I guess that is kind of in our wheelhouse—the unexplained.
0: Yes, possibly alien.
1: Possibly, and maybe possibly not alien. Alien, as in, it, I mean, it was—it was definitely alien. Maybe because it, it came from outside of the solar system. So I mean, in that in that respect, it was definitely alien. Whether it was sent this way. By an intelligent source I have no idea there, we didn't pick up any anything from it that was out of the ordinary in all of the ways we have of picking things up but it was also quite far away at that point and if it was from an advanced civilization we are not that advanced and so perhaps they're using <laughs> something we just can't pick up on we just have no idea it's even there
0: or maybe they just know exactly what it is and and we don't like i'm i'm going to laugh like a 10-year-old boy if some advanced c- civilization comes along and we're like oh hey do you know what that thing in space was and they're like dude that was space a giant turd. space turd i'm like oh 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 no shit well
1: <laughs> i guess
0: couldn't you tell it was a turd by the surface reflection? <laughs> like, I guess,
1: I guess, I guess I don't see my turd surface uh, get reflected that much. I just not not very sciencey about it. I guess
0: you just can hopefully flush them away if you have running water, unlike many of our brethren. Yes, out there suffering in the cold. So once again, uh, hope things warm up for you.
1: Definitely, and I think that's about it for Oumuamua. Uh, Thank you very much for listening.
0: Yes, thank you for listening, because I I know this was a painful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We got a listener story in. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, It's a a wild story. And uh, so that's we're getting closer to being able to do a listener story episode. So please send us your stories. Bigfoot, aliens, ghosts, hauntings. Orbs? Did you see some some shiny orbs someplace? Tell us about them. I mean, I would, we'd like to hear about the weird paranormal, scary shit that happens.
0: Yeah, or you could even do one of like, well, this didn't happen to me, but this happened to my friend.
1: Right. I mean, if you if, if your <laughs> friend has a story that they're willing to let you share, then uh, and you're willing to let us share, then you know, pass it along. You can send it to StrangerThanPodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at any of the social media places that we're at. Uh, do a search for Stranger Than or Stranger Than Podcast. If we're there, you'll find us. We do have a group. It's called The Strange Space. If you'd like to join it, it's on fa- a Facebook group called The Space, Strange Space. Uh, you can join that on Facebook if you'd like. Also check out ageofradio.org. Age of Radio is our radio syndicate. It is the podcast syndicate we're a part of. They have tons of merchandise as well as tons of podcasts to listen to on their site. Our website on their page is ageofradio.org slash stranger than. Join our Patreon. You'll get all, both the, you know, the, the episodes you get for free will come ad free, which is nice for those of you who don't like to listen to ads. And then you also get a bonus true crime episode every month. And I think with that, um, we'll talk to you next time.
0: And stay strange.